It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. And on the day we recorded, this is the perfect day to have an indoor kart uh, racing facility because uh, a little wet out there on the road, on the streets. But it is perfectly dry inside Joe's Karting. Dry and warm, mind you. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. As always, uh, Dirk Houston and Dan Taylor doing the, the Front Stretch uh, podcast. And joining us on the show now, the Lincoln family, Bobby and Janelle as uh, they have been running US 30 Speedway for the last couple of years. Wanted to talk to them a little bit about that. And then, of course, the big announcement that they're going to be taking over Dawson County Raceway. Because uh, apparently, as Dirk and I like to joke, apparently you guys aren't going through enough pain and suffering. You've decided to double it up. <laughs> <laughs> like my wife said, she says, this is great. We're enjoying all of this racing. But why couldn't have we done this 30 years ago when our bodies weren't broken? <laughs> yeah. Probably had that. something to do with kids and things like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I don't know which one of you wants to take over, but let's kick it off by start talking about the season that was US 30 Speedway uh, for 2021. Oh, we had a really good season. Uh, I think we only lost like three nights to rainouts. Had good car counts. Uh, we had put in our new progressive banking and everything this year at it brought some of the greatest four and five wide racing, some of the best finishes I've ever seen this year. That's awesome to hear. Track champions. Let's go through those just real quick. Uh, we'll, we'll do a whole interview with those guys, but let's talk about who won all your classes. Well, you definitely know our hobby shop champion, Mr. Kid Perfect himself, Mr. <laughs> Jeff Ware. Yep. I do like that nickname, by the way. <laughs> I think that was you that gave it to him, wasn't it, Dan? Uh, I, I think it might have been. I might be guilty of that. <laughs> Uh, Jeff's a friend of mine, too, so I like to pick on him. I got him in my phone, actually, as the world's greatest hobby stock driver. <laughs> He's <laughs> People get mad at that nickname, but unfortunately, it's I mean, it's it fits him very well because I, I originally gave it to him because he was perfect on the season at Eagle for a while. Uh, but then after he wasn't perfect, I kind of got thinking about it. I was like, well, it really doesn't fit anymore. But then I was watching him one night, and he's just perfect through the corners, yes. perfect down the straightaways. Perfect when he passes somebody. Yeah, maybe he bumps somebody once in a while, but kid perfect fits well for him because he's just so damn smooth. He's absolutely smooth, and you very, very, very rarely uh, see him out of shape. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Jeff Ware wins yet another Hobby Stock Championship. Uh, Was this multiple years for him? Yep. This is three out of four. We've had the track. We bought the track four years ago now, and this is three out of four for him. He got beat last year in 2020 by Jason Wilkinson by just like one or two points. Oh, wow. Yeah. This year pretty handedly. Oh, no, he uh, he won by only one point. So he's making it interesting. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, there was a two-way uh, tie for a second. Right. And uh, the IMCA Sport Modified was James Roebuck from Genoa. Mm-hmm. We call him Rowdy. I like to pick on him in victory lane and everything because – he loves the high side, and he's always told me that a good night is when he's got to put new right side aluminum on the car because he's rubbing the wall. <laughs> so he likes the uh, Kyle Larson, Bobby Pierce line. Yeah. Yes. 
I always give him credit that I see he's over there in turn three and four yanking his arms so the semi drivers go by honk at him because he's so high up in the air. <laughs> James Roebuck is your uh, sport modified champion. The stock car champion this year was Cameron Wilkinson out of Neely. Uh, uh, nice battle there, Kyle Wilkinson. Yeah. I would assume brother. Yes, brothers. Yes, and and the sons of Jason. Okay. Oh wow, three uh, three Wilkinsons won championships. Yes. Did, I, did I see that yes. right? Yeah, first well, for either first or second. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, who's your late model champion this year? Travis Dickus. Wow. Edged out Corey Dumpert, who uh, I think he yeah, won himself yeah. another IMCA title. Yes, he did. Corey had a couple bad nights that at our place that he had DNFs, and that's that's how Travis got around him in points. But it was it was good all the way down to probably the last five laps. Yeah, yeah, uh, just a four point advantage for uh, Travis picking up that championship. Your modifieds. I'm happy to see this young man win. He's it's been a true pleasure to watch him race over the last. Uh, two years and, and slowly get the handle of that 35B. Yep, yep. Dylan Silman, great kid, great family. Again, he's another one that's coming up that he is very smooth, very quick. Mm-hmm. Actually, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Larkins hmm. because Kevin Larkins, he could be hanging around that fourth, fifth spot, and then all of a sudden he's like up front. And you're like, I didn't even see that coming. Uh, Harvick's old Dylan, nickname. Where did he come from? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's why that's why Dylan Silman is. I mean, you actually lose sight of him watching the race from you know the official standpoint because he's one you don't really have to watch. Yeah, you know, and then you look up with a couple laps to go, and he's like fighting for the lead. It's like okay, he was like eight just a little bit ago. <laughs> I blinked, and he he picked up a ton of spots. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and then looks like you guys had a uh, race saver race out there earlier this year. Uh, we actually had two because we had the one in midsummer and then we had one during the Blink Memorial. Okay. All right. So that's the points champions at uh, US 30. Once again, Cameron Wilkinson in the stock cars, James Roebuck in the sport mods, Jeff Ware in the stock cars, Dylan Silman in the modifieds, and Travis Dickus in the late models. Uh, you guys already had your awards banquet? Yes, we had it last Saturday night. Okay. Uh, looks like you did the 2020 and 2021 awards banquet. All together, so that should have been a pretty rowdy night. Yes, we <laughs> gave out we gave out 122 awards. Wow! Now, bet, the, yeah, local, bet the local beer distributor had a good day, uh, <laughs> especially when I paid for it all. Oh, <laughs> wait! Their, their twenty dollar banquet ticket got them dinner and all they could drink. Why am I just now finding out about this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be changing my uh, my my Facebook settings on US 30 Speedway to make sure I get notifications when a <laughs> post happens go. now. Yep. <laughs> yep, and share it with all your friends. Well, I, I well, think an open bar is, is all you need to say. <laughs> Dan's going to come with his good old friend Uber. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, we, we got three empty bedrooms now that the kids moved out. We, we got a place for you to stay. All right, deal. I'll make pancakes in the morning then. <laughs> all right i'm all for that <laughs> all right good season at us 30 what are you guys thinking about i know that if, if i've learned anything from the kaziskis and the haydens there's always something coming for next year uh what are you guys thinking about for 2022 okay to start off 2022 we got a couple things uh for those that ran with us last year they know that last winter we had a huge storm come through columbus and took out our we had a scoreboard 
know, top five the whole nine yards, and we had it up for three race nights. And the, <laughs> the storm came through and just twisted it and threw it to the ground. And uh, insurance company come out and stuff, and they determined it was uh, that the poles were faulty. So we got a brand new one, and it ironically was supposed to be there right at the start of the dirt crown at the beginning of there in March, and it showed up two weeks after the Abe Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be going up in the spring. We've got everything, you know, as far as the concrete and everything poured for the base. You know, we're just going to wait for the winter winds and everything to go away before we start assembling it. Uh, we're putting a, a new uh, pit grandstand in. Our pit grandstand and whatnot used to hold about 25 people. Everybody else had to stand. And we're adding approximately 600 seats to the uh, pit area. Ooh, that'll be a popular change. Yes, 18, 18 rows high, 42 foot wide. And for those that know, the is that going to go in roughly the same spot that the grandstands were at in the pits before, yes. or are you going to put somewhere else? Yes. Nope, right where it was. And there's an old pit shack up there and whatnot. We took all that down and been doing some remodifications this fall. And we got it about halfway assembled right now. Okay. So with that big grandstand, then are you hiring wait staff too? Uh, no, I'm not going to do that because that's the pit area. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a great idea that Roger had. Well, somebody's still got to run and shag my hot dogs and soda. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so again, that's uh, new grandstands, uh, second new billboard coming. And I love the little quote, you, the line you kind of tossed in there, and I, I didn't pick up on it right away. We're waiting for the winter winds to pass before we put it together. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, if my memory serves right, I think Eagles had two video boards, and both of them have I, been destroyed within the year they were installed. I delivered the first one. <laughs> well again we're talking with with uh, bobby and janelle lincoln of us 30 speedway and uh the announcement was made on i believe tuesday night that uh, the lincolns will be taking over running dawson county raceway that's great news i'd actually heard some rumors that us 30 may be for sale and that it may not be opening up because you know you hear those rumors about just about every track uh, all year long but the fact that you guys have got plans in place for next year is very reassuring. And the fact that you guys are expanding out and adding a second track is pretty reassuring. Oh yeah. We're, we're definitely not closing. We're, we're definitely not closing. And, and you know, and like I've always said, everything's for sale. Yeah. You come, you come up with the right dollar amount. Everything's for sale. <laughs> I'll even let you buy my wife. If you got enough money, <laughs> you can't even afford me. Oh, ouch. <laughs> So you're saying that check doesn't have to be very much. <laughs> wow. Oh, that was good. That was good. Janelle, uh, what was the decision process walking into this? Uh, how much did you guys reach out to Chad Dolan about taking over? Was this more of a conversation with the fair board at Dawson County? Um, we worked with mostly Chad, but he's, uh, he's a good salesman. You know, he knows... He knows the business. He knows, you know, the community there. And, you know, he, I'm sure he will be around to help us out. And, you know, we just did not want to see another track close. 
you know, too yeah. many of them are closing already and it's going to only benefit us here at us 30 speedway if Lexicon stays open. So are you guys going to be doing any kind of conjoining uh, points? Uh, any kind of probably not added purse, maybe, maybe an added purse, but nothing point wise for this year or whatnot. You know, we want to go in with, like I told the fair board the other night, we don't want to go in rocking a boat or nothing. Right. We want we want to go in, just take over from Chad and, you know, run it like Chad would and keep it open and then, you know, slowly throw our little finesses in with it. Right. What is that? About two hours away from you guys then? Two hours, 12 minutes, door to door. Done it three times in the last two weeks. <laughs> you, can make up, you can make up that 12 minutes. <laughs> well, we would if we didn't have to stop in Grand Island and get raising canes. Uh, well, you're just going to have to get a corporate helicopter. That's all you're going to have to do. Yeah. Furnished by raising canes. There you go. Right? <laughs> That'd be for my wife, not for me. That's awesome. I drop her off at raising canes. I run across straight to Popeye's and then I have to go pick her up. Yeah. <laughs> No, back back to we we want to see racing survive. You know, there's a lot of tracks closing. You know, there's rumors of more tracks closing, and the fair board at Dawson County is second to none. We've had long talks with them and everything. They're, they're going to be just absolutely fantastic to work with. You know, Chad's told us how great that they were, and it's just going to be so beneficial to us. To actually have a fair board that also wants to see us there yeah what's uh what's your guys's uh statu- uh status at us 30 is that another track that's owned by a fair board or another committee or nope. is that something you guys own us and malvern bank own it okay <laughs> <laughs> you know it turns out jay burdick owns a lot of things in this area <laughs> yes he does yeah, we we love our Jay Burdick though, and, and that's a little bit of tongue in cheek, also. You know, like uh, uh, Bobby yes. was talking about with giving some of his drivers a hard time. Uh, Jay obviously uh, uh, he owns a little bit of my debt. He's going to be owning a little bit more of it as as I get things moved over to him because uh, my home loan's moving over there, my car loan's moving over there. I'm just I'm I'm giving him all of my debt and, and a little bit of interest on top of it because uh, I I really have a hard time finding somebody that does more for racing. Than Jay right, Burdick, exactly. Malvern Bank, and Dirt Track Bank. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Fantastic and guy, I, fantastic operation. I, I, I love to support those that support racing. Right. All right. So, plans, you kind of talked a little bit about it. You guys don't want to rock the boat too much with Dawson County Raceway. So, you guys want to kind of see where things are going. Have you gotten some feedback from drivers after the announcement as far as maybe minor tweaks they would like to see? Nothing really yet. Uh, we're going to go out there January 8th. This is our banquet. And we're going to talk with a lot of the drivers at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chad runs such a great program out there. I don't see that there's going to be a whole lot of tweaking, you know, right at first. Yeah. All right. Uh, once again, Bobby and Janelle Lincoln. Uh, Janelle, if you wouldn't mind uh, letting Bobby get a word in here just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're able to join us, uh, but uh, talk a little bit about your your spec your perspective of it. I've I've seen you know Bobby post this stuff every once in a while, but for those maybe they don't they're from a distance like me, that uh, what what is your your uh, role with US30 and, and what are you expecting to do with Dawson County? Oh, well, 
my role here at US 30 is just to make sure our concessions are ready and that we serve good product. Okay. Um, moving over to Dawson County, I might, I'm, my goal is to kind of step more into helping with the promotional part of it because Bobby does do a lot of that here and I just need to um, help him out with that a little bit more. Dawson County kind of re runs its own. Um, they have a great kitchen manager in there. Um, so that will help um, control things there. And then, I don't know. Just well, I, that's an incredibly important role. I've watched it from both racetracks uh, that I work at and, and ones that I've worked at in the past that on a, a shoestring budget, the concession stand can make or break a season. Yeah, right especially just, I mean, getting the right people in there to run it, to, to keep it fully stocked, to, to make sure that you're maximizing the dollars, you're not overcharging people, but you're also not losing money on certain elements. And then, you know, the important thing is don't run out of food too soon. Right. <laughs> and that's a tough call some nights. So. It, very tough. Yeah. I, <laughs> so uh, yeah, have fun with that. Cause it's not easy. There's a lot of restaurants that have failed and, and that's basically what you're doing is you're running a restaurant at a racetrack. Right. I, do you have any menu? I'm, I'm such a foodie and a beery. So do you have any menu items that, that you guys kind of hang your hat on? Um, we have our pulled pork nacho fries, which is obviously French fries with pulled pork and nacho cheese on it with Jed backstretch barbecue barbecue sauce um, is our biggest seller. So... Mm. Okay. Yeah, so that's I, up your alley. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> eaten dinner yet. Now I'm my stomach's grumbling. <laughs> and of course, I, I, if, if, if Dan's ordering that, there has to be like two sides of ranch involved. No, no, oh, no. I, I don't put ranch on top of barbecue. You put ranch on everything. You I, put ranch on ranch. I do. I absolutely do. But there are a few rules to it that I, I do follow. Only a few. Well, if it's made cereal? right. Uh, I have never put ranch on cereal, but I'm thinking maybe ranch on Cheerios wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> See, if something's made correctly, you don't need to add ranch. Yeah, I know. I bet it's just <laughs> so dang good. <laughs> All right, guys, I, you two, I really appreciate you joining us and talking about it. Is there anything left that you want to make sure to cover before we uh, finish this interview? No, like I said, we'll probably start the year uh, trying to do, you know, the uh, dirt crown again maybe they can catch a break and get some decent weather no kidding uh, i i'm you know good friends with robbie and scott i've been giving them static that they need to change it from dirt crown to mud crown because then right. maybe it'll dry out <laughs> <laughs> they might need to just go ahead and, and tempt fate and and it might swing <laughs> in the other direction almost right? like reverse psychology yes uh, and then, you know, we'll end the season next year with the 26th annual Abe Lincoln Memorial. Awesome. I, we got to get down there for that race one of these years. So you need to. I absolutely you need to. We had 153 cars on Friday night. We had 169 cars on Saturday night. I heard from multiple people the racing was uh, was very fun. I, our, our oldest daughter, Danielle, you might remember her. She used to race the sport mod at IAE a few years back. Yeah, uh, she she does all of our track prep. I've been oh, really? teaching her and everything. Yes, she runs the road grader, tractor, grader, water trucks, everything. <laughs> That's awesome. She gonna and pull then, double duty then? Uh, no, she actually uh, when she can 
get a night off, she runs Albion with her sport mod. Okay. And then our youngest daughter is one that uh, runs the tower with the uh, transponders and everything. So, so the, the, I mean, this is turning into just like what we've been here, just like we've seen with other tracks. This is absolutely a family affair. Absolutely family. If your name is Lincoln, there's more than likely a phone call coming to get you employed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I always, I always well, joke with all the Kaziskis, like Alex Kaziski, uh, Joe Kaziski's youngest daughter. Yep said, uh, well, I'm not going to be working at the track anymore. I'm moving to North Carolina, and I laughed. And three weeks after she moved, uh, she was back working at the track. <laughs> oh, da- Danielle's boyfriend is Jed that does all the barbecue at the track. So, Oh, okay. I mean, you're right. It's family. Yeah, it's a family affair. And that's honestly, it's one of the best ways to make it work because I, I don't know how what your payroll is like, but I imagine that there's probably a – a little bit of a break when it comes to hiring family. Oh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> they want more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want the family well, up, up charge. Well, my mm. wife my wife here a year ago had new koozies made for the track that says family owned, family operated, family argued over. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty accurate. That's awesome. Yep. Bobby and Janelle Lincoln joining us on the show. Uh, thank you so much for your time, guys. Uh, can't wait to talk to you in 2022 as we get set for US 30 Speedway's season kicking off and then uh, the Dawson County Raceway kicking off in Lexington, Nebraska. Uh, thanks again for your time and uh, uh, good on you for stepping up and taking over. I know, Chad, I'd heard through the rumor mill that Chad was a little exhausted and, and ready to step away and, yep. and you guys uh, uh, stepped in and saved the day. Well, like hey. I said, we just want to do what we can to help keep racing alive in Nebraska. Awesome. Once you guys get your schedule set, get back in touch with us so we can get you back on and we'll go over the two track schedules. Okay. Okay. Yep. And and just like we tried to do last year, but that nasty COVID kind of got in our way. We're going to try to get out that way. uh, One of these weekends and, uh, and do an interview with all your champions. Okay. All right. We'll be in touch with that stuff too. Okay. Well, you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Stay dry. Once again, that was Bobby and Janelle Lincoln, uh, currently of US 30 Speedway, soon to be of US 30 Speedway and Dawson County Raceway. Again, that's going to be happening in 2022. Good news for those two. Great news for the race community. I always, you know, I hear some people say, you know, maybe certain tracks need to close so that other tracks can be a little bit healthier and can get a little bit better car count. Uh, my worry with that is what Joe Kaziski told me years ago. He said the problem with tr- clo- tracks closing is that Uh, usually there's a small percentage of drivers that just decided to retire. So yeah, there may be a a percentage, large percentage that moved to other racetracks, but then you lose 10, 15, maybe 20 drivers that have just decided I'm not going to make the longer haul to that track and the racing community shrinks as a whole and we're dealing with the same problem. So great on those two to step up and take over a Dawson County raceway. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people I, I know that listen that, uh, do understand what it takes to run a track, but I'm sure there's some listeners that really don't have much of an idea. So to, to try and double dip like this, especially when it's two hours away to the other track, that's, that's going to be some work. That, yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I don't know if we, if we harp on it a little bit too much about the um, being the promoter of a racetrack is, is probably the most, the hardest and thankless, most thankless job in all of racing. Uh, and, and now they're doubling up and, and doing it twice. So it, Best of luck to them, I, and, and they're going to need a lot of support and a lot of help. But I hear great things about what they're doing at US 30, and, and I know Chad had a good thing going at, at Dawson County, so hopefully they're able to 
you know, kind of combine all the, the, the stuff that's been going on the last two years, three years and, and keep that momentum going, I guess. Yeah. Um, like I said, they've definitely got experience and everything. And uh, I'm sure through some of their stuff, the last couple of years, they probably had some dealings with Chad, you know, trying to work out some scheduling things and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, and we've talked to Chad, I know Chad's a solid dude, you know, he's going to be there to give them any support they might need and answer any questions. So. Yeah, I think it'll be a pretty smooth transition. I don't yeah. see a big issue with that. Uh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about uh, in, uh, in in the next turn. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to recap the NASCAR season. We're going to recap the championship. I don't. Did you hear who won? I haven't. I haven't seen anything. No, on I haven't social seen media. yet. I've been staying away from it. I didn't want to know. You're waiting to watch the race. Uh, and then some uh, headlines, news, and notes, and all the kind of fun stuff. We'll be back here on the front stretch. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is Happy Hour, featuring dollar-off draft and well drinks plus $4 Luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch. Turn two brought to you by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to the Lube today and enjoy some delicious food, cold beers, great sights, great sounds. Uh, Sarah tried a new pulled pork barbecue sandwich during the uh, day, the uh, championship party at Quaker Steak and Lube on Sunday in thoroughly enjoyed it so that is definitely one that uh, i need to try next time so uh, after i have the triple atomic challenge completed i will be trying that barbecue sandwich but there may be another sandwich that we have to uh we have to try yeah as long as it's not hot i'm in she didn't mention it was hot so i can't imagine it would be oh well then i should be in good shape to give that one a go uh, where should we start out? Do you want to talk uh, local news? Do you want to talk national news? Actually, I don't think there's much local news. Um, I think we covered the local news just a few minutes ago. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Lucas Oil ASCS National Tour, their points fund was increased to $200,000 for the 2022 season. Not something you hear a lot of, so that's great news. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, obviously they've picked up a sponsor to cover that because that's a big chunk of change. That's not just, right, you know, right. whether it's Lucas Oil dumping the extra money to them or what. Who knows? Who knows what's going on there? But that's great news. Always best to add more money to the points fund. It's one of those equations that for the most part, unless it's a modified race, you're going to get a better car count. Well, it's points money, right? Championship money. Yeah. Yeah. So car count. You know, car count for ASCS is is so regional, though. You know, yeah, you might get one or two people contending for the points, but the tricky thing with the season points is that if if I'm a a regional guy and I'm I'm running for national points, I'm gonna go for it until I feel like I'm out of it, and then I'm gonna probably start touring around again. 
Right. But is it going to, is it actually going to bring you any more cars that I, I can't say on, on something like that, you know, yeah. that's not a local track putting some more money in the system. That's uh, a touring deal with, with a, a regional base. So yeah, it's, it's not going to hurt the series. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. You know? uh, adding more money to the, to the overall championship purse purse will not hurt the series. Yeah. It's a good thing regardless. Remember our old friend at DC Solar that kind of scammed a bunch of people out of money, out of a lot of money, uh, including some NASCAR uh, team owners? Uh, I believe yeah. his name is Jeffrey Karpauf. Karpauf? Karpauf? Something like that. I don't remember specifically. I'd know yeah. it if I saw it. I know who you're talking about because yep. all of his solar panels disappeared at Kansas Speedway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turned out he was running a bit of a scheme. Um, I believe, I don't want to call it a Ponzi scheme. But he pretty was, close. yeah, it was pretty close. I believe he defrauded people out of, let's see. Um, prosecutors say the scam may be the largest in history of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Sacramento. One that uh, built investors out of nearly $1 billion and generated a lavish lifestyle for its perpetrators that included more than 150 exotic sports cars, uh, antique vehicles, vacation villas, and Lake Tot and uh, vacation villas from Lake Tahoe to the Caribbean and even ownership in a minor league baseball team. On yep. Tuesday, federal courts in Sacramento, let's see, sentenced Jeffrey Karpow, Karpoff, the man behind the massive, massive fraud, to uh, 30 years in prison, and he is uh, to pay back $790 million in restitution. Basically, that's never going to get handled, no. but at least he's going to be behind bars for a while. And and I'm sure they'll take everything that's got his name on it right now. And they're going to liquidate it. They're going to sell it off. And they're going to try to chew into that as much as possible. But there's going to be a lot of right. people that are on money. And I believe uh, Richard Childress Racing was one of them, right? Uh, no, it was Chip Ganassi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a sponsor on the 42. Right. Because there was supposed to be a uh, big sponsorship. Was that 19 that was supposed to happen or 18? Um, I think Ross Chastain was supposed to start racing a second car for Richard, uh, excuse me, for Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, yeah, well, it would have been a third car, but, oh, yeah. uh, um, I think Ross was just supposed to start in that last year. Well, it was supposed was... to be a couple of years ago, but then this DC solar thing happened and they weren't able to put the sponsorship together and Ross had to go back down to the Xfinity series. Well, yeah, but I think the, I think the car, the whole deal was supposed to be for 2020. I think it was, you know, all talked about and basically set up in like August or September of 19. Yeah. That sounds about right. And then it just didn't didn't unfold for 2020 like it was supposed to. I mean, it's really amazing that these these schemes still happen. And and I'm I'm not making fun of anybody, but the fact that you can steal a billion dollars from people before you get caught is crazy to me. Well, the part that's crazy to me is somebody is smart enough to set up this elaborate scheme like this and run it for however many years they went on, mm -hmm. but isn't smart enough to be living and whatnot in a country without extradition back to the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, I don't know. It's, that's just, it's a crappy thing. There was, the scheme was he was leasing portable solar generators to, to people, but there, I don't know. I can't exactly cover, and I would probably get it wrong. Uh, these things are so intricate that it, it, it goes well above my Iowa education. Oh yeah, I'm. I got no idea how these things work. I just know um, 
you know, they bring money in from one person to pay another person, then they take some of that out for themselves. And, you know, just, it just keeps steamrolling like that. Yeah. So that was uh, DC Solar again. Uh, that guy sentenced to 30 years and asked to pay back $798 million in restitution. Our friends at Starcom Racing posted an interesting tweet last week, says that it's with heavy heart that we say goodbye to our Starcom Racing fans. After the championship this weekend, our double zero charter will take new ownership. Thank you so much to all of our fans for the fun memories and loyal support over the years. Hashtag ZOOM. Dirk, you and I talked about this Sunday at Quaker Steak and Lube. The interesting thing about that whole statement and the way they worded it doesn't seem like they're closing. Well, it says goodbye to our fans. That says to me closing, but they don't just say we're closing. Right. All they say is we sold the charter. There's plenty of teams out there without a charter. Yeah. You they know, have confirmed that they say we're closing, unfortunately. But. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it, it's an odd way of posting it. And like you and I talked about, the, the majority of the NASCAR races aren't full. So they could run without a charter. The negative aspect of that is that they're now losing out on a certain amount of money. Uh, that comes with owning that charter. When you own a charter in a NASCAR Cup Series team you, and, and you finish behind somebody that doesn't have a charter, you actually get better pay. That's one of the incentives to owning a charter is that you get a larger portion of the race purse and the overall season purse. So, and maybe they're, they're I don't know, it's so confusing as to what they're doing, but apparently they notified their their employees that they're they're shutting down operations at the end of the season. Uh, and that they'd all be unemployed. So if you plan on running a partial schedule next year, why are you letting go all of your employees? Yeah, well, Jen's been posting um, the last couple of days, all kinds of different stuff on Facebook and pictures, you know, of her and the team on the jet or getting ready to load onto the jet and fly back. And she goes, I hope I end up on another team with this luxury, you know, because she'd been down working for a lot smaller teams in the Xfinity series, you know, and was, yeah you know, riding in vans with 15 guys to the next race and stuff like that. So she got used to that Learjet the last couple of the last year. So, yep. And yeah, the other I mean, kind that, of that team's definitely done. The other kind of confusing thing is they never said who they sold the charter to. Now that's not required. And I'm, as far as I know, I don't think that's something NASCAR necessarily is required or in their mandate is required to disclose. So we'll just have I, to I wait have and no see. idea. But I can tell you, I know I didn't buy it, and I'm pretty sure you did. I, well, all right, cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that was about as good a secret kept as you know Keselowski yeah. going to Roush. But yeah, um, yeah. It's I don't I don't know if NASCAR mandates that that come up with somebody. Um, you know, we did know before that it was uh, 2311 was trying to buy it, mm -hmm. and that that deal fell apart. And we do know that the people at Spire Motorsports were in negotiation, but we don't know if that's where it ended up or not. Yeah. And I talked to you again about this on Sunday. This was something that I saw as a post on Facebook from a fan. So I don't necessarily put a lot of validity to it, but apparently NASCAR charters are going for somewhere around $12 million right now, which is a huge increase to what they were going for when they originally started. And I believe it was... Michael Waltrip Racing that purchased the very first charter, or was it Wood it Brothers? It no, Wood, Wood Brothers purchased the very first charter from uh, Michael Waltrip Racing because MWR was shutting down, and and basically Michael Waltrip Racing is one of the big reasons why the charter system is in place 
Correct. Because Kaufman, what was his name? Right. Um, yeah, Kaufman's his last name. I don't know. I want to say Mike, but that might not be right. Uh, he was throwing a fit because he's poured millions of dollars into the sport and he wasn't going to get anything out of it because he had outdated equipment. And, you know, other than the stuff he could sell at his shop and the shop himself, he really didn't have much to sell. So NASCAR kind of created this charter system and, and this is what we've got. And, and if honestly, if Starcom Racing was able to sell their charter for $12 million, good on them. I mean, that's a huge chunk of money for those owners to walk away with. And that might actually kind of balance things out a little bit and say, we were able to, to make it worth it for us to do this. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how they set up shop or, you know, if they were just leasing some space out of a warehouse or something. Um, I know they had a shop. I don't know if they were in Mooresville or Charlotte or where they were at. I mean, I know the company was based out of New York, mm-hmm. but I know they didn't race out of New York. Yeah, because Starcom is a uh, communications company out of New York, right? Uh, Correct. They're fiber optics and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, but based out of New York, and uh, but they had uh, the shop space and stuff all down again. Where in North Carolina? I'm not sure, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess somewhere around Mooresville. And uh, uh, whether they were leasing space or whether they built something. You know, a lot of that stuff I don't know. So it's hard telling exactly how much they had invested. You know, they could have quite easily, what they run, five years? 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, I think. Yeah. Well, started late, I think, in 17. October, uh, uh, Kansas, October race in, in 17, yeah. So yeah, four so full seasons and in, in a couple of ha- here and there. Yeah, plus a few races. So, yeah, I mean, 12 million might have broke them even. And the other thing is if, if they bought it for at that time, I think they were going for like two or 3 million. I can't remember who they got their charter from, but when they purchased it, we had a conversation with them and they said that the economics, the economics behind the sport made it very viable and very beneficial for them to own a charter again, like I talked about, because they get a larger portion of the purse. Uh, not only do they get the guaranteed starting position, but they get the larger, larger portion of the, the payout for the per, for the, uh, for the race purse. And they were able to make that money up within, I thought he said, two years. Yeah, that sounds about right when Derek was telling us about all that there in the hauler that day. Yeah, and then, so if, if they were able to make that money up, they, that 2 to $3 million investment has been paid for, then they're able to turn it around and sell it for $12 million. I think the charter system is doing what it's supposed to do. Well, again, it's uh, supply and demand. There's right. only 36 of them. Yep. You know. And, and, and if, if Spire Motorsports and... 2311 were both vying for that that creates i mean this is captain obvious here but it creates a bidding war which might have been where spire spire motorsports was able to outbid 2311 and and pay the 12 million where 2311 was only willing to pay 11 or 10 million or something like that you know and and see to me that that's a little mind-boggling when you start thinking about all the things money-wise and value-wise that michael jordan's involved with I would think he might find twelve million in his washing machine after he washes his clothes. You know, <laughs> then he calls up, "Hey, hey, Michael, we need another million and a half to get this charter done. Can you check your couch cushions?" Yeah, I mean, I'm checking my recliner. I think I got some Daytona 500 winning money left over. I could throw in. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that you know, Denny is the very uh, minor partner in that whole deal. Yeah. You know, he's got his expertise of being in the business and stuff like that, that he brought to the table, which is worth something. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I know when, if you want to compare their checkbooks, you know, 
he's missing a zero or two from Michaels. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, nobody was able to do sponsorship quite like Michael Jordan. Uh, I, I think of maybe Tiger Woods, uh, a couple of other basketball players, maybe Tom Brady was uh, was really good with sponsorships, but Michael Jordan really set the bar with with a lot of uh, product endorsement and in, in, uh, portions of the sales and a very, very, very savvy businessman, too. Well, and yeah, just think if he was alive now, you know, you, yeah. you hear the, the deals like LeBron's got and whatnot, you know. Oh, you mean if he was like if he was an active player right now? Correct. Yeah. You know, all of those contracts would have a zero or two behind them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but right, he, was so, leader, he was a leader in that part of the industry. Definitely. Uh, moving on from that, again, it's uh, tough news. Uh, though uh, Starcom Racing was amazing to us. Uh, we owe them a, a big debt of gratitude because they, they showed a lot of our fans a side of NASCAR that very, very, very few fans ever get to experience. You've got to be big-time military some sort of disabled person that, that they're doing a, a big fundraiser or awareness for. You've got to be a huge sponsor in order to get what our fans got. Uh, and a big, big thanks to Starcom Racing for allowing us to do that. That was uh, so huge of them. And, you know, hopefully we're able to do that. You know, we, we haven't been able to do it for the last two years because of COVID. So hopefully things are able to turn around and maybe we can reach out to Spire Motorsports and they can pick up that mantle and, and start working with those guys. Said it, it, we can continue to do that crew chief for a day. Yeah. And even, uh, even with that, with, uh, I mean, they're going to change uh, the way they do everything again next year. Or so they're saying, but the experience before when we were able to do it is a lot different than what our new experience will be. Yeah. I, I think it'll just be more condensed, but there'll still be that aspect of being behind the scenes to be able to help the car or watch the car out on practice and, and in the garage and watch the team and talk to the team and eat with the team and hang out with the hauler. I think there'll still be a good portion of that there that that's worth worth it for the fans oh yeah it's still going to be worth it for the fans because it's just not something everybody can do you know yeah but uh being able to go down there for a couple you know a sunday race start and start doing stuff on friday where this year if you went for the sunday race you started to do stuff on sunday right yep you know of course our deal was set up where we would have they would have had access on saturday too because they'd have been allowed in you know on pit road and stuff for the xfinity race so right, right. all right uh let's see dirk you sitting down right now um actually i'm laying down but okay, that's okay even even better if you happen to pass out you, you're already down there we uh, go safety violations for the number five crew one loose lug nut <laughs> you, you turned to me after that last pit stop and you said <laughs> i'm willing to bet they don't have all the lug nuts tight <laughs> yeah yeah when they got out of pits first i said yeah they missed a lug nut Poor Cliff Daniels uh, just took a $10,000 hit. That poor kid. I guarantee bonus for the title was all, had a couple more zeros than that. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Uh, and, and, you know, we kind of jest a little bit, but that was a, that was a money stop for those four championship teams. And I think that stop absolutely lost the championship for uh, Martin Trucks Jr. And it absolutely won the championship for Kyle Larson. Uh, Martin Truex well, Jr. definitely had the better car at the end of the race, but his crew was just off their game on Sunday. His car from the first stage through the whole race was a long run car. When they got into a 20 lap dash, he wasn't going to win. If they'd have had another 30 laps, he'd have won. I, I think so. Absolutely. He was coming. He, he, he whittled it, into Larson's lead considerably on those closing laps. Well, yeah. And I'm sure Larson, if you watched that whole 20 lap thing, Larson got out to about a second, 
and uh, Truex had cut it to a half second, then Larson had run it back out to a second again. It, it just went like that. I think Larson would would coast a little bit when he got out. No sense in pushing it. Don't don't stress the equipment. Don't break something. Yeah, they, they don't break something because if you remember at Pocono, he had a race one, you know, and right at the end, he ended up breaking something and popping a wall. Well, and how so, many times did he have the race one at Chip Ganassi Racing, and something would happen? Well, I mean, not, this not in the last twenty laps that I can think of at Chip Ganassi, but that one at Pocono was like three laps from the end, and that was just this year. Now, I remember he led so many stinking laps with Chip Ganassi Racing. He would do great for three quarters of the race, but then it would all fall apart, whether it be equipment wearing down or the team couldn't keep him. There was always something that kept him from winning the race. Well, a lot of times it was Kyle Larson wearing could, down. Could have been Kyle Larson wearing it down, yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Truax wasn't going to win that 20-lap dash, but he'd have won a 40-lap dash probably. Yeah. Two I team. think he had uh, the better car on the, on the run, long run. The two team, five team, 11 team, and the 19 team and the 21 team all had one loose lug nut. The 18 team had two loose lug nuts. Uh, and they were all fined respectively $10,000 and $20,000. I just bring that up just because of our conversation of how fast of a pit stop that uh, uh, Hendrick Motorsports had for the five car. And <laughs> he said, I guarantee you there's a loose lug nut. <laughs> Well, I, I think I said I guarantee you they all have a loose lug nut. So. Yeah, that might have been it. But, but just uh, like the catch in the fish story, we're going to modify it just slightly. Yeah, but it was, you know, the, the, all the times for that last pit stop were like, holy cow, look at that time. Yeah. Yeah, they did something. What uh, did it uh, was it Hamlin that did a, was an 11 1, and I think Larson was an 11 8. And because Larson had that, that last stop, that last pit stall, he was able to get out just by a nose. Yeah, he only had to roll three feet, Yeah, you know, so he doesn't have to completely accelerate and get up to pit road speed on pit road. All he's got to do is basically move, you know, and he's to the stripe. And there's a lot of tracks like that. And that's why that pit stop or pit stall is so important. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be able to help me out with this next story a little bit better. Well, then at I'm least not as, good. as far as the, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to do it no more. Speedway Motors has agreed to acquire Dover Motorsports for $3.61 per share in cash for an approximate total equity value of $131.5 million. Transaction was announced on Tuesday by Speedway Motors President and CEO Marcus Smith and Dover Motorsports President and CEO Dennis McGlynn. Uh, so Dover is now a Speedway Motors uh, SMI property? Evidently. Dover was one of the very few independent tracks left. Uh, that's the part that I needed help with. I couldn't remember if they were a part of the, what was the, uh, the company that NASCAR acquired S SCI? No, ISC. International ISC. There we go there. And I, I was thinking they were a part of them, but so Dover was one of the last independents. I believe that leaves Pocono, right? Pocono. And I think New Hampshire, I think New Hampshire's still independent. Are they? I think so. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Well, You're probably right. There's been so many mergers and acquisitions. I mean, I actually used to have Speedway Motor Stock, and when I had it, I think they had five tracks, and they're up. now it sounds like they're up to eight. Yeah. So, Just a little bit of tidbit there. Speedway Motors uh, acquiring Dover Motorsports, and uh, we'll see if any big changes happen uh, as the uh, 2022 season approaches. Really cool stuff going on the last week that uh, Brad Kozlowski was a part of Penske Motorsports, and you know, just, that's one of those that I'm sure was a very difficult thing for him. I know I saw a couple of tweets for him as he left Penske Motorsports and, and left his office for the final time and, and just kind of tweeted some really nice things and very cordial uh, departure between the two operations. And 
that was uh those uh, Penske and, and Brad Keselowski were a serious force to reckon with for uh, three or four, maybe five years. Although he's kind of trickled off just a little bit in the last couple of years, but uh, that's an end of a big era for those guys. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if anybody, I follow the guy on Facebook. I mean, I know him, so I keep an eye on him, but uh, he had a lot of neat video stuff from Facebook. Um, uh, a little chat saying goodbye to a lot of his crewmen individually and talking to uh, Joey Logano, even though I know their relationship strained, Joey <laughs> probably patting him on the back going, see ya, buddy. Yeah. Let the door hit you on the way out, please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it was pretty neat. Uh, they cracked open a bunch of Miller lights out on pit road at Phoenix and a couple of them got jumped in. Brad had that great big two gallon beer glass that he had there when he won the title and uh, they were all drinking a few beers and, you know, yeah, probably had a few tears shed, but uh, yeah. I, I don't think they shed near as many tears as Maddie D, but that's okay. Hindsight. I don't know. You know, th- there's a couple of years ago, there was a couple of stories where Brad did a very candid interview about how, he was very upset that he didn't get signed to a larger deal with Hendrick Motorsports. I I just don't know if that would have been the right operation for him. I think he would have been successful, but I don't know if he would have been the the big threat that he was at Penske because I think his personality of I don't care, I'm going to race for the next position as hard as I can until the checkered flag waves. Uh, and and Roger Penske's drive, I think those two really worked well together. Well, if you think that was that big a deal, then he should have been over at Childress because Childress was serious as hell about that. Was he? Oh, yeah. See, in the time that I've been in in NASCAR, I've been paying closer attention to it. Childress has been kind of an afterthought for me. Well, yeah, he's not anywhere near what it was 10 years ago. Yeah, when when it was, when Kevin Harvick was over there winning or or even before that, when Dale Sr. was over there winning. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 her, uh, Richard Childress is much like Roush Fenway has really fallen off in the last 10, 15 years, and they're not the dominant force they used to be. But I, I, I just think that, that Brad's got had the perfect attitude. And I think that, that he mixed well with Roger and, and Roger, you know, and maybe he would have worked well at Hendrick because I know that Rick Hendrick has got a very uh, ferocious winning attitude, uh, but he's also got the right personality. And I just, I think the mentorship that Hendrick Motorsports, maybe not Rick himself, but some of the seniors over there is what really made a difference with Kyle Larson. He's always had the talent, but now he had the coaching to, to win, to, to dominate a full race and not just the first three quarters of it. You know, I think a lot of what happened last year with Kyle Larson is what made him into a better racer. You know, I, I think, la- I think before I, you know, in honesty, I think he kind of took for granted being a NASCAR racer. I don't think he does anymore. Yeah. Is it similar to, to where Kyle Busch got so close to winning so many championships, but after he broke his leg and had his kid, it all came together? I think it came together a little before that when Kyle Busch got into was having some sponsor trouble with M&Ms. Yeah, because of know, his attitude. Joking. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, that's when Kyle really made his change. Now, he's definitely grown up since he got married and had the kid and all that. He really has. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, uh, every once in a while, the old Kyle Bush, you know, pops out and says, I'm still here uh, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, you could look, I mean, when you saw Kyle Larson crying, cause he just won a title. Um, that's not the same Kyle Larson that was around 18 months ago. It's yeah. just not. Yeah. And we'll that's talk more the- about, we'll talk more about Kyle's championship too. 
Uh, I don't want to jump off that and make people think we're done talking about it. We'll, we'll definitely dive a little bit deeper into that and, and our thoughts on it, but uh, just kind of want to circle back around. I'm the one that got distracted there. So I want to bring it back around that uh, I, I thought that those two, two operations separated very amicably and, uh, and some really cool send-offs between the two operations that being Brad Kozlowski and Penske racing. Yep. Now, like I said, the stuff, if you want to go look at his Facebook page, there was a lot of good stuff there. He did a thing about a week ago. It was the middle of last week with his last race with Penske coming up. That was pretty neat, you know, talking about a lot of the history and, and what uh, Roger taught him and what he's taken away from his time there. So mm-hmm. very cool stuff. Uh, and that's, uh, we'll see what happens with Brad transitioning into the number six car at Roush Fenway racing. Speaking of the number six car, the man that departed that car has said, uh, this is not the end of my season. I just have not announced any full plans. I'm not retiring quite yet. Talking about Ryan Newman, who is going to be at, who is out of a ride as of Phoenix on Sunday. Um, do you think there's a place Ryan Newman's going to end up? I, I personally don't think he's going to end up behind the wheel. But I, I, I don't think there's I, a there's a ride available that that if somebody like Front Row Motorsports came to him and said, "We got a car for you," I think Ryan would kind of look at it and say, "Nah, I'm good." Well, no, I think if somebody is, I think Front Rows, you know, they probably got stuff that he might want to get into, but I don't think he's going to get an offer from them. I really don't. I mean, he's been around for twenty years. I think Ryan's next step in his career is going to be into a, a driver coach type situation for, for some, maybe Spire Motorsports, somebody like that. Yeah. I think that's where you're going to see uh, if Ryan stays in the sport, he could stay in the sport probably as an engineer. He's a college graduate. He's got yeah. an engineering degree. Brilliant. He could guy. probably stay in the, Oh yeah. He's not stupid. He could probably stay in the sport that way too. Coming but, to I, a NASCAR training session near you, how to block by Ryan Newman. Yeah. How to make your car wide. Anthony Alfredo is out at Front Row Motorsports. The team announced they will be fielding two cup cars in 2022. Once again, they'll field the 38 and 34. Let me make sure I got that right. Uh, I read it and yeah, then I forgot right. it. Yeah, 38 and 34. But uh, they announced uh, earlier this week that uh, Anthony Alfredo will not be returning to the 38 machine. So his time at Front Row Motorsports is done, and they did not announce who their driver will be filling in, although I believe Michael McDowell is set to return in the 34 car. Yeah, uh, I do believe that's correct. And, uh, I mean, you never know uh, if they don't have, if they're looking for some sponsor dollars, because I know Newman still brings sponsor money with him. You know, maybe he ends up in that 38. Yeah. I think after 20 years in Cup, you know, I'd be surprised if he ends up there. So apparently uh, Front Row Motorsports and, and 2311 have been working on a merger or a sale of the, the uh, 38 cars charter, but uh, that has fallen through. Maybe that was the team that, that 30, uh, 2311 was working with on picking up their charter, or maybe that was one of many. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure anytime they heard there was a charter available, they were reaching out. So, yeah. So tough news. Uh, one, I, 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 we've never talked. I don't think we've ever talked to Anthony Alfredo. Wait, did we? No, no. He's, okay. uh, He's only been up there the last couple of years. Okay. I thought we might've got him on the phone, but I don't think so. I'll have to look back through my records. I'm going to believe your memory, but there's something sticking back there that says we talked to him, but. Uh, and it, it could have been, a, it could have been, you know, we've had several where, where you went solo. Cause yeah. I was at dialysis or whatever the reason was, but yeah. uh, so you might've talked to him, but I don't remember ever talking to the man. Maybe. All right. Let's talk uh, results from Sunday. 
Uh, I have never been more happy to see the results that we did. Uh, I think my worst case scenario to drop of that checkered flag was anybody other than Kyle Larson winning the championship because dirt track fans and NASCAR fans would have had a come apart if Kyle Larson didn't win that championship. And I didn't want to spend the entire offseason listening to them complain. Oh, we're still spending the entire offseason listening to people complain. That's already started. That's true. Um, I mean, <laughs> like I said, that one clown that I saw on one of the NASCAR sites the other day, well, now NASCAR has got to answer to all the people about having a, a racist like Kyle Larson win their title. And I'm like, dude, it was 18 months ago. Yeah. And they've had all year to answer to it. It's not like he just showed up and won the title. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, he showed up for 36 races and won the title. Man, uh, I, I, I want to say this probably goes down as, as overall for racing-wise, probably one of the most successful single-season careers with winning sprint car, big races, little races, late model big races, and uh, NASCAR races left and right, and a NASCAR championship. Uh, I want it. I think I saw a tweet or a, a, a meme that said this is Kyle Lar only Kyle Larson's third championship in his career. That might be. I don't remember seeing anything like that, but because uh... he's uh, from the limited amount that I've kind of watched him and followed him, he seems like he's more of a let's go over here and and, and run that race and let's go run that car and let's go do this. And he's not much of a points chaser. Yeah, I was going to say he's getting rides. People are hiring him to to run big money shows. Mm hmm. You know, I don't think he's ever ran a season in a midget, no, but last year or, or this past year in 21, he wins his chili bowl. I don't think he's ever had a full-time ride in the world of outlaws. I don't think so either. But this year he wins Knoxville and I think he won the Kings Royal at Otora. Yeah. You know, two he, of the biggest races in, in, in that series. And I know you the know. dirt track fans are going to get mad at me for this, but I, I, I remember him won, winning a big late model race, but I don't remember which one. And it was his very first late model race he ever sat down in. Well, that wasn't this year. He won late model race last year. Was I his that first was this year. late model race? No, he won a big race. Uh, he won that. Uh, oh, what's that race at Fairbury? Um, the dirt it's got uh, initials like PDR or something. I was thinking it was a Yankee something. I'm the wrong guy to be asking about that. Ask me something about Eagle and I-80, and I'll I might know it. Yeah, no. The only thing I know with the Yankees is the Yankee Dirt Track Classic, and that's just over in Iowa. That's yeah. You know, he never ran anything like that. But uh, hmm. Google him up. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at that and figure out what that is. But uh, Larson gets the win. Martin Trucks Jr. right there in second. Denny Hamlin in third. Ryan Blaney in fourth. Chase Elliott fifth. Eric Amarola, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell, and Brad Keselowski around out your top 10. Really, I was very, very happy with that race. I think all the uh, championship contenders led races or led, uh, led laps. No, Denny Hamlin never led a lap. But Elliott led 94 laps, uh, Truex Jr. led 72 laps, and Larson led 107 laps, uh, which reminds me, I got to get a hold of that guy that won the $100 from Quaker Steak and Lube. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it, uh, um, the luckiest guy on the track was Martin Truex. Absolutely. Absolutely. He had to make that unscheduled pit stop and then caught the yellow just perfect. And you know, how many drivers have come on here and said it's better to be lucky than good? And oh, Martin Truex Jr. almost turned that into a, a lucky championship. He went from a lap down to the leader. Yeah. You know, from by a matter chances of, of being a, a chances of being a lap down to being the race leader in a matter of feet. Yeah. What was that like the second or third pit stop till the uh, uh, left? And uh, that was just, I mean, they kept going back and watching the footage. And finally, they were able to determine uh, he was past the start finish line when the leaders crossed. 
under the caution. And so he was able to, to stay out on the lead lap. And then everybody came in a pitted and he's your leader. And he went out there and showed how good of a car he had. As far as your championship standings go, Kyle Larson, again, your champion with Martin Truex Jr. in second, Denny Hamlin in third, Chase Elliott in fourth, Harvick, Keselowski, Blaney, Lagaga, Lagaga, Lagano, Lady Gaga, uh, Joey Lagano in eighth, Kyle Busch in ninth, and William Byron top ten. Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Eric Amarola, Eric, excuse me, Alex Bowman, then Eric Amarola in fifteenth, Michael McDowell, Austin Dillon. Matt DiBenedetto, Chris Busher, and Ross Chastain round out your top 20. Good season. I think that uh, I wish I could have watched a few more races, but uh, I'm excited to see what this Gen 7 car does and, uh, and, and what, it, what NASCAR is able to kind of tweak on it as the season goes on and, and hopefully make racing better. But I will, uh, I will continue to watch during the road courses and the short tracks. I will continue to bitch, but watch during the super speedways and the speedways. I'll get to it if I can. Yep, I'll make sure and catch the short tracks because I like them. If uh, I'll wait and when I finally get an issue or a copy of the schedule here to put up on my bedroom, the back of my bedroom door, I know I will fill in and make sure I'm doing something on the day they go to the Circuit of the Americas. Give that one a second shot. No, I did not like that. I didn't like the track. Wasn't wasn't it raining that day? Yeah, that was the day. That was the race. They raced uh, 90% of the race in the rain and then called it because it was raining. Yeah. Again, that was fans asked for it for years. Go race in the rain. Go race in the rain. They went race in the rain, and they're like, "Oh, well, why did you do that? That sucked." Well, <laughs> but that's not what very, you were arguing about. That was just talking about other fans. Yeah, but it was a very small portion of people said race in the rain. There wasn't that many of them. The only ones that did that are the people that think Formula One's really racing. <laughs> you know, well, Formula One runs in the rain. Yeah. yeah well, um, why okay. can't NASCAR? They're they're race cars. They should be able to do it. Yeah, now they weigh twice as much and got half as big a tire. That's why. <laughs> well, that shouldn't make any difference. And they had to use bigger tires. The 2021 Rick Havenridge Pickens Contest came to a close on Sunday. Big thanks to everybody that came out to Quaker Steak and Lube and enjoyed the party. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, just uh, another great party. And we'll be doing another one for the Daytona 500 party in February. So be listening for that. But congratulations to Husker fan. Uh, you have to check. I think he was sitting in second or third going into that race well i'm surprised he hadn't bothered me yet no he was fifth going into that race and ended up winning the championship uh on the final race and rubbins racing came home second speedy justice in third outlaw 88 and fourth and dry slick racing in fifth so uh i i looked through a lot of the drivers a lot of the uh the contestants that were going into the final weekend and there wasn't a lot of good picks left for those guys which is probably the reason why uh jeff was able to jump up from fifth to first well go look at my picks (laughs) i got a whole slug of stuff left on the table (laughs) yeah i did not do very well i did not do very well at all uh oh yeah by the way uh jeff took kyle larson for sunday well yeah that was kind of much of pretty much a given if he jumped all the way to the front so yeah. big thanks to rick Havenridge of wealth partners for sp- supporting that and uh and putting it together for us allowing us to to put the contest on uh and and rick always does a great job love seeing those uh rick and patsy down at quaker steak and lube uh good talking to them and and everybody that won uh boy there was a lot of money that that went out uh from uh from winning contests on sunday yeah we uh well um I don't even, you got the guy's name that won the hundred dollars out of the book, but five people picked Kyle Larson and he won the, uh, the, the contest with the 
Laps led was the tiebreaker. And he was the closest, all of them went over, but he was the closest. The lowest pick on laps led was 150. So yeah, and now and obviously, like you said, that was him. Uh 235 was another guess. Uh well, the, the, Rick Rick had 156, and the other yep. three were all over 200. Uh Ray Harrington had 208, and Cameron Childs had 227. So all those drivers very confident, or all those uh contestants very confident that it was going to be a dominating. Uh, dominating race for Kyle, Kyle Larson. I'm glad that it wasn't. I liked the race we saw where there was uh, some comers and goers and, and Kyle seemed to get stuck back in traffic just a little bit, but fought back and, and won that championship. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good race. It was a good race to watch. Um, that last 20 laps was a little boring because there really wasn't a whole lot of race, much racing anywhere in the top five or six cars. They just all kind of got spaced out and went around the track, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, if uh, Truex could ever cut that lead down and got to his bumper, that could have made it interesting because Truex isn't a bump and run guy for the most part. Yeah. You see if he ever would have, you know, would have been interesting. Oh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about and we absolutely need to, um, I, I posted it on the front stretch page, but I think you and I talked about it. I, I think uh, Ben Rhodes definitely has taken over the best drunken championship press conference, right? <laughs> absolutely absolutely no. he put brad keselowski's from 2012 to shame no contest and if you don't know what i'm talking about go to the fred stretch facebook page and i think it's one of the first posts that's up there it is actually the first post it is a a, a cut pieces cut together of ben rhodes doing his uh his his due diligence uh press conference interview after winning the truck series championship and he kept referring to his buddy Bud Light and how good it tasted. And my favorite part is when the lady walks up in the camera angle, takes the Bud Light, puts the water down. Well, and then how much he loves his crew chief. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that guy. <laughs> but that's, I mean, again, you know, we talked about it. The negative side of having cameras and doing these interviews is what Kyle Busch did. The positive is having video footage forever of what Ben Rhodes did. <laughs> and now Ben Rhodes is one we've had on the show. Yeah. Uh, so that was a great interview. And, uh, and what a finish in the Xfinity series for that championship. Uh, I think Austin, Austin Cedric ended up winning that. No, Daniel Hemrick won it oh. using Austin Cedric up. That's right. Yep. That he, used right. Him up. he did a Chad Pospisil on Kyle Burke what he did <laughs> remember that in knoxville a couple of years ago oh yeah and you don't blame him one bit i mean that's that's oh. it that's the all the, i mean we talk about it. it i could say that you don't blame him one bit on the final lap that's the final lap of the final race that's it you do it cendrick took it like a man yeah you know he said you know congratulations to him he didn't wreck me you know if he'd have wrecked me i'd be mad but he didn't wreck me he yeah. raced me he raced me hard and, and he won all right, I think that's going to do it for us today. Anything we need to make sure and cover? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a get well wish, wish to uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our good friend Chris Morris down at Quaker Steak and Lube feeling under the weather. Uh, that's all I want to say just because I'm not sure exactly what we can say. Uh, but it, it, it's something that, you know, God, what I mean, what can I even say? <laughs> well, that's uh, the first party he's missed. Yeah, uh, get well, bud. Uh, we missed you down there. I know Chris always loves being there and uh, and helping out with the contest and, and laughing and joking and telling stories with us. So uh, get well soon, man. I did see an update from, from push truck, Mike, that uh, his stage oh, okay. four liver cancer, um, he's not given up 
he's he's got a long fight ahead of him, but he's not going to give up. He he posted a nice comment, uh, a nice big Facebook post that talked about what all he's been going through. Let me just read an excerpt here. I used to think that I had an idea of what people what people with cancer went through, but I couldn't have been farther off. When I went through nine rounds of chemo and six weeks of chemo carry pump and radiation, five days a week, I was the most beat down, zero energy, struggling to eat some days. Most people that I know that most people that know me didn't see me at the racetrack and realize how horrible I must have felt not to be there. I think he said he went on to say he lost about 45 pounds and uh, he's not giving up. He's going to continue to fight his uh, stage four uh, cancer on his liver uh, is is bad is is kicking his butt, but he's going to uh, keep working at it. So continue to ask for your thoughts and prayers uh, for push truck. Mike is uh, stage four liver cancer, a tough one to battle, but uh, hopefully he can get it whooped into shape and he can get back out there yep he's literally got the fight of his life on his hands all right let's see that's it um next week we're gonna start doing this on monday right i need to get my button gear scheduling interviews yeah i uh i think i know we were doing mondays last year so he didn't he didn't want us on the all you can eat wings tuesdays which he doesn't even have anymore so well kind of it's dollar wing tuesdays but I mean, it's still uh, Monday work for everybody. You know, we were getting some turnouts. We actually had people coming down to watch the show part of it. Yeah. But remember that one that, that couple wanted our autographs? I, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> I think they might have had too many Sam Adams. I think we were being set up. They had a camera somewhere. <laughs> There's some footage, yeah. All right, so starting Monday the 15th, we're going to be on a Quaker Steak and Lube doing interviews. Make sure to follow the Front Stretch Facebook page for updates of who is going to be showing up, what tracks we're going to be interviewing. The plan is to do them um, at least every Monday for the first couple of weeks and try to get a, a cache of interviews lined up uh, and then uh, and go from there. We may switch to every other for a while there, but just make sure you follow the uh, Front Stretch Facebook page for all the events and information as that gets a little bit closer. We're talking about doing a duel in the desert party on December 4th. Uh, that actually happens to be Sarah's birthday, and she was, um, I said duel in the desert. I'm at the Gateway Dirt National, sorry. Uh, she's actually good enough to give me the grace to go ahead and, and be at the party for that. So we're going to move forward well, with she that. She can come too. She can. I, I think she had other plans of, of us doing something on, on her birthday, but uh, I'll, I'll take care of it on uh, on uh, Friday night. We'll, we'll go out to dinner on the 3rd. But uh, that's also going to be the night I'm planning on doing um, – the triple atomic challenge completing my obligations for the uh, Alzheimer's fundraiser that everyone helped me with. And I hit the $2,500. So again, a lot of big things coming to the, to, uh, to the front stretch over the next couple of weeks. So again, make sure you like and follow the front stretch Facebook page. So that way you can, uh, you can be up to date with all the information. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we can plan on doing uh, the 15th and the 22nd. Um, but I think we'll probably take that following Monday off right after Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it'd probably be smart. And, uh, I mean, then the next Saturday's that, uh, dirt in the dome night. And, uh, I think we can go ahead and go that following Monday again and probably, yeah, it'd be like the sixth Yep. and then do the 13th. We're probably going to need to take a couple of weeks off with Christmas and new year's. Yeah. By that time we should have plenty of interviews lined up. Well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about hopefully getting four sets of track champions by that. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, four sets of track champions and more. Uh, again, if you ever want to be interviewed by the front stretch, 
All you have to do is message us. You can message Dirk personally, me personally, or message the Raceway page, and we will get you on the show. It may take a couple of weeks, but we'll get you on the show. Just come down and do Quaker Steak and Lube and do an interview with us. I don't care. I mean, we, literally, we have interviewed Soapbox Derby racers. That was a we've, fun interview. It, we've interviewed iRacers. <laughs> That's getting to be – I don't mean to say it like like Soapbox Derby racers are, are, are important and, and don't deserve airtime, but – that's not something that was ever in really in my lexicon. I just knew that, that it happened. I knew that these things happened. I knew Andrew Kaziski and I think his sister, I know Alex used to race soapbox derby years ago. Um, yeah, it, it might be all the Kaziski kids did. I, I'm thinking, that, I'm well, I'm thinking that Courtney did. Oh and, yeah. I know. I think Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking there were a lot of those Kaziskis yeah. that uh, ran the soapbox derby stuff. I mean, as far as I know, Omaha and maybe Nebraska's only soapbox derby track is down there in Ralston, basically at Seymour Smith Park down there. Yeah. So anybody's welcome. If you race, we'll put you on the show. We like talking to people. We like talking racing and we love putting the spotlight on people. So don't think you're not welcome or you're not big enough to be on the front stretch. There is no such thing. We'll interview anybody, cart racers, soapbox derby racers, I racers, uh, whatever. Even if you can't find my favorite saying, I think for some reason it's been sticking to my head lately. Even if you can't find your way around the inside of a Cheerio, we'll interview you. Yeah, you picked that up from me. I did. <laughs> I absolutely did. <laughs> I've mentioned a few drivers that can't get around the inside of a Cheerio. And, yep. Uh, yep. But, uh, and also, if, if you're a track champion and we talk to you and we can't get you down to Quaker Steak, we'll do you right here on a Zoom call. Yep, absolutely. I love this new Zoom stuff. I think it's made it uh, a lot easier for us to do interviews. And, and thanks to COVID, everybody's pretty familiar with doing Zoom meetings. So it hasn't really been very difficult to get people on. I mean, we got Bobby Lincoln to join. <laughs> Hell, I figured it out after you showed me. <laughs> right. It's pretty easy stuff. Anyways, all right, that's going to do it for us. No more racing on Sunday, unless you want to, you know, watch one of the replays from earlier in the year or, uh, well, I guess we have the Chili Bowl coming, or not the Chili Bowl, the Turkey Chase coming up in a couple of weeks, don't we? Uh, should have. Yeah, well, I, right. we'll need to get uh, AA. I'll come up to. Quaker Steak and talk to us one night about that, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have to get him on there either this Monday or next Monday because that, I want to say that's the 25th, 26th, and 27th. Yeah, yeah, it's like three weeks away. So it's just around the corner. All right, so we'll get double A on the show here quickly and uh, and we'll get uh, some of those track champion interviews lined up for you guys. As always, big thanks to Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs, Rick Havenridge of Wealth Partners. Find out what Rick can do for you today, rickhavenridgeadvice.com. And Taylor Computers and Repair for all their support of the front stretch. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. It's been a pleasure. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week right here on the front stretch. And somewhere, throw in a good luck to all the racers in Vegas. Oh, Got yeah. A lot of local guys out there. We'll do that. I'll just leave that right there at the end. That'll work. All right.